Today's version of Money Wise Live is pre-recorded, so our phone lines are not open. Christian actress Candice Bure once said, the memories we make with our family are everything. I am Rob West. Family memories take on a special meaning at this time of year when we gather for the holidays. One of the best memories you can make involves giving. I'll talk about that today with Becky Cullum. Then we have some great calls lined up, but please don't call in today because we're pre-recorded. This is MoneyWise Live, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, some of you in the Lone Star State may know Becky Cullum. She's executive vice president of the National Christian Foundation in North Texas. And Becky has a passion for helping individuals and families create giving strategies so they can be more generous. And Becky, it's great to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Rob. It's an honor to speak with you. Becky, I love this topic, and I'm so excited about talking about family generosity today. Uh, How did this become so important to you in particular and your loved ones? You know, my husband and I were both raised in Christian homes, and so tithing and generosity were a part of our upbringing. So, of course, as we started to raise our own family and kids, we wanted them to know and love Jesus And like many of your listeners, we want to be good stewards of all of our resources and our children. But I've got to be honest, uh, we didn't have a great plan when we got started. And the topic of money and generosity really came out of our kids' questions and topics that they wanted to discuss. And and it came out of need, really, that we dove Mm. into this. I love that. Well, I'm excited to be able to share some practical ideas today on how folks can do that. But uh, first, let's go to Scripture. Uh, As you think about the passages in God's Word that speak to this idea of family generosity, what Scripture inspires you to take on this challenge? You know, there are so many great passages throughout the Bible, instruction in Proverbs, great ways to train up your children. But when I think about what really inspires us, We've got to go to straight to the gospel. You know, if we look at John 3:16, it's that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us a son so that we can have eternal life. You know, I look at Ephesians 2:8 and 9 that it's a free gift of God, not by works. And so when I think about this, it's really once I get in touch with my own sin and God's generosity and grace, that's what compels us. That's what inspires this generosity. Mm, I love that. All right, well, let's get practical then. So tell us what you're doing about this in the Cullum household. Well, I've always heard that about 80 to 90% of communication is nonverbal. So fortunately or unfortunately, I think our children learn more from what we're modeling than what we're saying. So Christian and I, uh, we really had to get serious about our own uh, thoughts on this topic and So we're a work in progress. We're looking at different books, resources, talking to older, wiser parents. One thing that we've been reading recently is a book called The Opposite of Spoiled, Raising Mm. Kids Who Are Grounded, Generous, and Smart About Money. And that has had just a great number of tips and topics on everything from allowance to generosity to chores Uh, to how to talk to your kids and when things come up, questions, friends, driving past the homeless person, all of those things. Absolutely. What about this time of year in particular, Becky, as we head toward Christmas just a few days from now? uh, What have you all found to work at this time of year? 
certainly there are loads of practical options out there, whether it's buying gifts uh, for a child from an angel tree or serving at a soup kitchen. But I think the things that are more impactful is when you really can get closer to that need. So we are going to go tomorrow and box up food uh, for families in need, but we're really trying to take it uh, to a more personal uh, level when you get to meet that family or engage Mm. with that child. I think that's going to be more effective. Oh, I totally agree, because then they put a face with their generosity. It's not just a check that's being written or something put in an envelope. All that That's important to teach as well. We want to teach that they should be regular givers to the local church. But I love whenever we can attach the real need and the impact to the giving. And I think you're exactly right with what you're doing there. Well, we'll talk around the corner about how your kids are responding to this. We'll also continue to get really practical about ways to do this in terms of inspiring family generosity and what this has done in your marriage between you and your husband as you all have gone on this journey together. Folks, we're talking family generosity today with Becky Cullum of the National Christian Foundation. We'll be back with much more just around the corner. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us today on MoneyWise Live. Joining me today, Becky Cullum, Executive Vice President of the National Christian Foundation in North Texas. Becky and I are talking about family generosity. How do you inspire your kids toward biblical generosity? What's the heart behind it, the scriptural basis, but also the practical examples of how you can foster an attitude of generosity? And Becky, I know this is something you and your husband, Christian, have been working on with intentionality in your home. And You shared some ideas before the break. Uh, Any other practical ideas to inspire generosity in our kids? You bet. We talked about the ways that we can really get to the more practical, personal, uh, closer to the need rather than distance. And so I learned an idea from a Nancy Ortberg video. We are giving our kids cash, handing them the cold, hard cash, but then Mm -hmm. saying, oh, this isn't for you. This is for you to give to someone else. And really, the only rule is that it has to be anonymous and it has to go to someone else. And so our hope in this is that they are looking outward all the time, looking for a need, whether that's in a friend or a stranger. It can be divided up between several people, one gift. Uh, They're going to be looking out for others and looking for a need rather than uh, constantly adding to their Christmas wish list. At least that's our hope. Yeah, I love that. Uh, What about intentional conversations around the dinner table? Becky, how have you fostered those toward this idea of generosity? You know, I look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 and 7, that says, These commands that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at your home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And so we've tried to just be a little bit more intentional about these conversations, that we don't just say the prayer and move on at dinner, but to say, okay, let's read a psalm of gratitude, or let's talk about a way that we saw Jesus today, or even sharing some of those needs that we're starting to see that might be fulfilled uh, with that gift. We want to talk about loving God and seeing God at work all the time. I think that's what that command in Deuteronomy is looking at. 
Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Uh, how has this influenced you and your husband in your own giving and even brought you guys closer together as you've been thinking about how to impart this to your kids? You know, it's funny you say, how do we impart this to our kids? But some of it is how are they imparting it to us? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes the kids' questions or their own things are, are what inspire us and challenge us. Uh, so practically, we've had to pray a lot more um, and we've had to get a lot more serious about our own posture of generosity. As they're looking at us um, and asking some questions, we've had to have some good conversation to have great answers. And so we're really talking about a posture of generosity, uh, not not just those checks that we're writing year end gifts, but a posture of of our time, uh, the generosity of a smile, looking a worker in the eye and asking them how their day is going. It's a stressful time of year for many people. And so we're, we're talking about that posture of generosity in all that we do with our time, talent, and our treasure. Mm, yeah, that's so good. Uh, what about the community around you, Becky? You know, we realize that uh, the messages that they're getting from their friends, but also the parents of their friends uh, can either help to reinforce this message or perhaps take them in another direction. Has that played a part in this? It sure has. We uh, were talking with several other parents about this idea of how do we raise our kids uh, to, to be grateful and to be generous in this somewhat entitled world that we live in. They're constantly receiving messages, commercials, more, better, want. And so we actually got together with uh, several families in our NCF community here, and we said, let's get together and have dinner and talk about this. And so oh, we watched a video, and then we had intentional questions and conversation around this very topic. And then we've continued to stay in that community as we find something, we'll shoot a text to the group or send an email to say, here, here's what I'm doing here, or here's how we can encourage each other in this subject. Mm, uh, that's powerful. I can imagine how that would be a real encouragement as you have others on the journey with you, sharing ideas and even providing some accountability. I know a big part of what uh, you all provide to givers there at the National Christian Foundation is not only a lot of wise planning and great tools like the giving fund, uh, but also giving strategy to help align the giving that folks do with their passions and what's on the heart of God. Uh, talk about that piece of the ministry and even how you can impart your giving strategy to your kids once it's developed. You're absolutely right. I think that when I've looked at the scripture, God loves a cheerful giver, that's almost felt a little bit of a duty and a, dare I say, beat down to me. But I think what we're talking about in that is that when we're really on purpose, God created each of us with a unique purpose, and he put passions on our hearts. And so when we are able to come together and really listen to him, God, how did you create me? What have you put on my heart? What passions have you given me and our family? And when we can align around those, then when opportunities come that align with those passions that he gave to us uniquely— there's so much joy in giving. It's been a lot more fun to be able to say yes to things that we know this is right on for us. And so the whole strategy behind taking the time to go through and evaluate those purpose and passions that are unique to, to me personally and then to our whole family have made giving a lot more fun. 
I can imagine. And then it gives you the ability to talk about the why behind the giving as you then transfer this to your kids. Now, Becky, of course, our kids can give money and we want to encourage them to save a portion of what they receive so they can be giving it away. But they can also give their time and their talents. How has that been incorporated into your family generosity? Well, for our kids, they're seven and nine, so they're a they're getting started in this, but for them right now, it is giving their time with um, being a friend to others, uh, asking uh, someone for a play date that doesn't always get asked. Um, mm. We've we've talked about a generosity and a posture of generosity in those type of things as well. And then again, tomorrow we're going to go and box up some things together. And young children, uh, four-year-olds can help put put cans in a box. Uh, yes. There's no age limit uh, that, that really excludes them. And so I think we can start as young as possible with active ways that we can be involved. Um, I think even asking people's names as we mm. encounter people at checkout stands or a server at a restaurant. Uh, our kids are really interested in asking names. The other day, an Amazon delivery person came and, and brought something to the door, and they were so excited. And then my son ran out, and he said, wait, what's your name? Oh, wow. And he said, it's Ben. And he said, Ben, uh, would you like some candy? And and he offered him <laughs> some of his leftover Halloween candy, but really wanted to know, hey, what what's your favorite type? Let me see if I have your favorite kind here. Not just the uh, leftovers, not the ones I don't want. It really warmed my heart. I love that you're teaching them to be others focused. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. How can folks get more information and resources, Becky? You bet. There are great resources on our website, ncfgiving.com slash library. Books, videos, podcasts that'll give you great information. Also, ncfgiving.com slash strategy helps you walk through your giving strategy. Oh, that sounds great. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Becky, and thanks for stopping by. Thanks so much, Rob. It was great to be with you. Today's program is pre-recorded, so keep that in mind when you hear phone numbers. We're going to pause for a brief break now, but Rob West will be back in a moment with more Money Wise Live. It's great to have you with us on Money Wise Live today, but unfortunately, today we're not live. We're pre-recorded and therefore won't be taking your calls. However, we've lined up some calls in advance that we think you'll find helpful. So stay tuned and enjoy the rest of the program. Let's begin today in North Carolina. Christine, you've been very patient. Go right ahead. I was hoping that you can tell me how to get income very fast. Um, I declared um, 62 years old, almost 62, um, long-term unemployed. And I told the Obamacare people that I would have an income of $15,000 for this year. That hasn't materialized. Um, so my question for you is, should I withdraw the $15,000 from my IRA or my Roth IRA? Currently, I have $700,000 in my IRA. I am desperate. I do have to. Um, you broke up there for a second. You said, I am desperate, and I missed the rest of that. Uh, yes. Um, I am desperate to get to $15,000, and I was wondering if the better option is to just withdraw it from my IRA or from my Roth IRA. Okay. So are you trying to qualify for subsidies under Obamacare? Is that what you're after? Yes. Okay. 
Um, you know, because you can go back and change uh, what you have reported in terms of what your expected income is. You know, with regard to Obamacare, they use the income uh, that's for the current year. So not the prior year's tax return, but your income for the current year to determine whether you're eligible for subsidies for your premiums. And if you're between 100 percent and 400 percent of the federal poverty level, uh, you know, they will offer subsidies to you. And oftentimes that modified adjusted gross income that you report, which is your AGI, and then you add back in non-taxable Social Security benefits, tax-exempt interest, and then uh, certain other types of, of income, um, you know, that will uh, you know, get to your modified adjusted gross income. But that does change periodically. And so you could go back and change that. Um, if you wanted to, um, you know, hit a certain number, then IRA distributions, um, you know, are a part of that adjusted gross income because it's added to your taxable income for the year. Um, so if you're long-term um, unemployed, uh, you know, you have uh, obviously this IRA, both Roth and traditional, that you could take distributions from to basically supplement your income. That would also be added to your taxable income for the year and would be a part of this calculation for the reportable income uh, under the Affordable Care Act. So yeah, that would be an, an easy way to do it. I guess the bigger question is, do you need that income? And if not, what is it you're living on currently? My parents passed away and um, I wiped out 16, excuse me, I already wiped out $600,000 of my savings. Wow. And now um, I'm living off of my parents' inheritance. All right. Uh, so how much do you have remaining in investable assets? Um, I have $40,000 left in my checking account and um, I have the $300,000 that I inherited from my parents. And then that's it. Okay. Um, and so what are you needing to pull per month to cover your expenses? I spend approximately $80,000 a year mm, on yeah. my living expenses. Okay. So once you go through the 300000 you will have depleted all the assets that you have? Yes. And I know the question, Rob. I can read your mind already. Christine, why don't you get up and go out and get a job? Why don't you try that? Um, yes, I know that that's the problem. Um, but for right now, I just need to come up with the $15,000 to satisfy the Obamacare people. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that's uh, easy to do through an IRA distribution because that's all taxable income. So there's no problem there. I think the key is, and what I'm thinking about is just sustainability here. Um, and you're right, we're going to have to find another source of income. But in terms of meeting that target number, uh, you can easily do that by taking an IRA distribution. So I hope that helps. We appreciate your call. Uh, 800-525-7000 is typically the number to call. But as I said, we're not here today. So let's do this. Um, we do get some great emails from time to time from those of you who listen to the program. And we don't often get ample time to take as many as I would like. So let's get a couple uh, done today. Uh, this one comes from Larry. And Larry just writes, my aunt has run up a ton of credit card debt. Uh, we want to consolidate it and get it paid off. How can I help her without just giving her money to pay her bills? And um, I'm not a big fan, Larry, of uh, consolidation loans uh, where we replace debt with new debt. Uh, I love the fact that you want to help your aunt get this taken care of. 
I'm going to recommend a credit counseling program. Our friends at ChristianCreditCounselors.org would be a great resource for a couple of reasons. Number one is, this is my preferred way to pay down debt, uh, simply because it ensures that you do it with lower interest rates, which is going to allow you to pay through one fixed monthly payment, pay the debt back 80% faster. But here's the other piece is they're going to spend some time with her and go over exactly what she's got, pray with her, encourage her, help her develop a spending plan. So now there's some third-party accountability, which if you're going to turn over some money to help her get out of debt, I think that should give you some peace of mind to know that she's accountable to somebody and there's somebody helping her working through her spending plan. And then once they determine that she's able to do this out of her budget, they get the interest rates down, they get one fixed monthly payment, perhaps you agree to take half of that monthly payment and you could send it direct to Christian credit counselors. So you match every dollar she puts into this. And so maybe between the two of you, you cover that monthly payment to get that credit card debt coming down and ultimately paid off. So that would be my best advice for you today is to uh, uh, check out ChristianCreditCounselors.org and um, get her started and then just let her know once she gets enrolled in the program, you guys will cover half the payment. We appreciate your email. Uh, Let me quickly take one more. This one just says, we're trying to find a financial coach. Where should we start? Well, moneywise.org would be a great resource for you. We have financial coaches here that would be delighted to help you with a spending plan or a giving plan, perhaps a debt reduction plan, whatever you need. Our coaches can help. Just head over to moneywise.org. While you're there, uh, create a free MoneyWise account. That will ensure that you get our MoneyWise weekly wisdom email and uh, you can check out all of our great content there as well. We aggregate content from 14 content partners, the best in Christian finance. It's all there at moneywise.org. All right, we're going to pause for a break. When we come back, much more on the program. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Delighted to have you joining us today on MoneyWise Live. Uh, let me remind you, our team is away from the studio enjoying the Christmas season, so we're not here, but we lined up some great questions in advance that I know you'll enjoy. Now, before we head to the phones, here in our final moments of this year, I wanted to mention the opportunity that you have to participate in this radio ministry. We're still working towards our year-end fundraising goal to meet our obligations this year, as well as make ministry plans for next year. Uh, By the Lord's grace, we've seen tremendous growth, and listeners like you have helped make it possible. So would you consider sending a monthly or a one-time gift by December 31st? You can head to moneywise.org and click Give. Again, if you do that by December 31st, that would be very helpful. Thank you for your generosity, and it's a privilege to serve with you. Hey, before we go back to our phones, let me take a couple of emails we've received recently. And thanks for writing to us at questions at moneywise.org. We try to get as many of them on the air as we can. This one from Pete. He says, I think my property value has increased beyond 80% loan to value, and I'm still paying private mortgage insurance. I don't have an FHA mortgage. It's conventional. What can I do to drop the PMI? Well, 
just based on your scheduled payments, if you reach 78% uh, loan to value, meaning you started at something higher than that, and through just regular payments without any appreciation of the home, you've reached that 78% mark, they have to drop it. You can request it at 80%. Uh, Now, the difference is if you're trying to count appreciation of the property, in that uh, loan-to-value calculation. So you believe your property has increased in value, which is the case for most folks out there if you've had this home from you know more than just this calendar year, um, and you're counting on that appreciation to get you to this uh, 80% target, then your uh, lender may drop it if they're willing to take a look and see if they concur based on comparative market analysis, or uh, they may require an appraisal which would run you somewhere between $200 and $500. But if you're fairly confident that uh, uh, you have reached that uh, 80% mark, certainly if you think you've reached the 78% mark, then it might be worth you spending the money if they're going to require it to do that appraisal. Because now with a conventional mortgage, if you can document that, uh, you could drop that PMI, which does nothing for you. That private mortgage insurance is for the benefit of the lender only. And so that's just an unnecessary expense you could get rid of. So, Pete, I would start by contacting your lender, seeing if they'll do it automatically without any documentation. Uh, If not, uh, that's where you may want to just inquire as to whether or not they would like you to pay for an appraisal. And if it uh, comes out that you are right, that they would agree in advance to go ahead and and, uh, drop that PMI. Uh, Again, if you can document 78% loan to value, by law, they have to drop it. All right, let's take some phone calls. Uh, Asher in Texas, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. I just called in with a question about my 401k. I was wanting to know, could I borrow from it to pay my son's college tuition? Uh, yeah, so tell me a little bit about what you've got here. So this is a, a 401k you're looking to borrow as opposed to a withdrawal. Is that right? Well, I will actually just withdraw. Could I withdraw? Because okay. I borrowed from it um, prior but I just wanted this particular time, could I just um, draw from it? Yes, uh, you can. It's not your best option, in my view. Uh, you know, I would uh, like for you to see that 401k really as your retirement source. Uh, you know, there are other ways to pay for college. Uh, you know, there are not other ways to pay for retirement. And so, you know, from that standpoint, um, you know, I would love to see you not touch this. There is a situation where, uh, you know, you'll have to certainly, no doubt, pay the taxes on it. Uh, you can avoid that uh, penalty uh, for an early withdrawal if you are uh, using this for direct higher education expenses. So if you're under 59 and a half, whereas you normally would have had a 10% penalty, you can avoid that. But it is still going to be added to your taxable income for the year. And beyond that, um, you have to recognize that, again, this money is now no longer available for your retirement. And the key there is you certainly want uh, to be able to um, you know, miss the uh, or, or have the opportunity for that money to continue to grow for you. So I think from that standpoint, I would be looking for other ways, scholarships and grants, uh, you know, your student working in the summer, maybe getting an on-campus job uh, at the as a last resort, you know, borrowing is an option as well. But give me your thoughts on that. Oh, well, um, I enjoy what, I, what, what the feedback I've got uh, as well. Um, 
But I, I will look into that. Um, I was trying to avoid going to the grants or, I mean, all the uh, student loans of that nature. Yeah. Um, I was kind of looking looking for a way to kind of just pay for it and be done with it yes. without having to have to pay it back or have him have to pay it back. But Yes. Okay. But yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and and the other thing I would just keep in mind is um, you need to uh, contact your plan administrator just to confirm, in fact, that you wouldn't have that 10% penalty. Uh, You definitely can take it out of an IRA penalty-free for qualified expenses. Uh, The key with a 401k is it's really going to be whether your plan allows for what they call hardship withdrawals, and that's where this would fall. Uh, so you may or may not be able to miss that 10% penalty. If you can't, then that 10% on top of it all being added to your taxable income is really going to make it expensive money, if you will. So as much as I know you want to just be able to say, listen, those expenses are done and we can move on and he doesn't have to think about the debt and we don't either, um, you know, you paying perhaps a 10% penalty could go either way, plus the taxes, plus this money no longer being available to grow for the next, you know, however many years between now and retirement, I think is uh, makes it a pretty unattractive option. So I would look at every other possibility, Asher. And let me just encourage you, there are some great options out there for scholarships and grants. If he hasn't really set his mind to trying to find these and apply for them, I've got a high school senior right now, and he spends a good bit of time in the evenings just applying for scholarships and grants all over the place. There's hundreds of them. And uh, uh, don't miss that opportunity to access some of these funds that are out there and, you know, take the easy route of just you know, withdrawing from that 401k. So hopefully that's an encouragement to you. Thank you for calling today, sir, and all the best to you as you uh, look for college funding sources. Uh, to North Carolina, Judy, you're next on the program. How can I help? Hi, Rob. Um, okay, I'm very ignorant to this investing, and but I've heard a lot about the I-bonds. And my husband and I, we are very behind the times. He's um, recently been investing in his mutual funds that his job offered him. So I called them. I didn't know if we could switch some money over to the I-bonds with paying interest as such. And he was, like, discouraging me um, that you wouldn't even get – I wouldn't even get but half of that – because the way I understood it is you have to, you know, it's for a year, um, and then if you withdraw it, and correct me if I'm wrong, after the year, the last three months of interest is is taken, but you still earn that. I'm using, even, you know, rounded numbers, 10%. Yeah. Um, why is he saying this basically is my question like that i'm not gonna because i i have all faith that you all are telling me the truth and i'm wanting <laughs> sure. to go to that and yeah. do that well let's do this i've got to take a quick break judy but if you can hold on i will absolutely weigh in on all of that there's uh, some truth to that but we'll talk about whether it makes sense for you this is money wise we'll be right back
Welcome back to MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West. Just before the break, we were talking to Judy, who has some questions about I-bonds, inflation bonds from the U.S. Treasury. She's getting some mixed messages and just wanting to know how she should think about whether or not uh, the I-bonds are a good option for her. And uh, Judy, you were asking about um, the penalty that you have to uh, recognize if you pull the money out after a year, but before five years, you give up the prior three months worth of interest. And that's absolutely true. So the way these bonds work, they're 20-year bonds with a 10-year extension. So 30-year bonds, you have to keep it in for a year. If you pull it out in less than five years, uh, when that interest is credited on redemption, and that's how it works, as soon as you redeem it, all the interest that you're entitled to for the time that it was in the bonds is credited. If it's less than five years, there would be a a subtraction uh, of uh, three months worth of that interest. So that would not be credited. And the question is, does this make sense? Well, the answer is maybe. (laughs) It really just depends on what money we're talking about. So if you want to think about the assets that you have, the investable assets, think about it in terms of buckets. Okay, so bucket one is your emergency fund. This is what uh, I would typically say you need to have three to six months expenses and a liquid savings account for the unexpected. That's not I-bond money because that, by definition, you need to be able to access immediately because you don't know when the unexpected is going to come. And with the I-bonds, you've got to leave it there for a year. Uh, Bucket two might be short-term money. Maybe you're saving for a big vacation a year from now. You're saving for a down payment on a house. It's sitting in a savings account, but you know you're not going to use it for one or two or three years. That's a great option for this money. It's not inside a retirement account because you can't put qualified money into an I-bond. It's money you don't need right away, but you're just looking to get a little bit more yield, a little bit more return on the money. That's what we're talking about. Bucket three and beyond would be money that you say, this is for the long term. It's really for my retirement. It's five years plus. I wouldn't put that money in I-bonds either because I would rather you be in a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio. That is going to perform better over the long haul because recognize that what we're experiencing in terms of this temporary bump in the I-bond yield now 6.8%. Back in you know a month ago, it was 9.62%, which made it really attractive. Um, that's temporary. It's going to come back down to where it normally is once inflation gets under control. So we don't want to you know, make a commitment here and miss the stock market recovery with our long-term money for something that really is temporary. But if you've got some money that fits in what I call bucket two, which is a one to five-year time horizon, you're saving for a specific purpose, you don't want to take any risk, then why not get that 6.8% while you're waiting, at least what it's paying today for the next six months. Now, what about that uh, reduction of three months worth of interest. Well, let's just run the numbers on that. I mean, basically, if if you're, uh, you know, you're getting 6.8%, uh, you know, that's basically a little more than a half a percent every month. Um, and you were to take three months of that, that's 1.7%. So 6.8% minus that 1.7% that's going to be withdrawn uh, for an early withdrawal less than five years, you're still getting 5% on the money with zero risk because it's backed by the U.S. government. So the question is, is a 5% yield with no risk a good investment for $10,000? Absolutely. You're not going to find 5% with U.S. government backing anywhere else. So, again, as long as it fits this, the right parameters, 
I think that's still a very attractive rate. Now, the only asterisk at the end of that is that 6.8% is what it's paying for the next six months. That will change again uh, in in May of next year, and it may come down, which could take that overall 12-month yield from the 5% that you would get after the penalty down to something like, you know, three and a half or four. And at that point, you might say, well, I could have just gotten that in a savings account and you'd be right. So I think, uh, you know, it's getting to the point now that we've lost this 9.6% yield to where, you know, there is some question as to whether, you know, it's still as good of an investment as it was a month ago, Um, but it's still fairly attractive if all that makes sense. Right. It does make sense. And you you answered a question, too, because so in the long term and that when May comes, the interest rate can change and it can go down or it could go up. Yeah. And and that's what I was wondering, just because you enter it at a rate, it's just good for that until it's reassessed, I guess, would be the word or how y'all whatever the word is. Yeah, let me clarify that though. Once you enter, once you purchase the electronic bonds and you do have to do it electronically and so we we would have to address the question you asked before about, you know, my husband and I are behind the times, how do we do this? Um but once you purchase those bonds, you get the rate that's being offered at that time for a full 6 months. So it doesn't change automatically as soon as they come out with the new rate. It's only going to change for you once your six months is up. So you will get that rate for six months. The question is, we don't know what the next six months will hold until we find out in May. And that's going to be based on what's called CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which is just what inflation is doing on the goods and services most Americans use at that time. And I will say the Federal Reserve, the reason they're raising rates is they want to see that number coming down and they're going to work very hard to make sure that it's a lot lower in May than it is today. Right. I understand now. Thank you so much. And I'm just so grateful that I found this radio station. (laughs) I'm new to it, but I'm telling everybody about it. And thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Happy to do it. To Texas we go. Hey, Mark, thanks for calling today. How can I help you, sir? I have 300000 in cash sitting in a uh, online savings account that is 3%. Um, I just did it maybe a few months ago. Is that uh, a good move on my part, or is there any suggestion you can make to make my money uh, work, that yeah. make more or do better? It, uh, it, it totally depends, Mark, on what the purpose of the money is. Uh, you know, there's a, if you were to say to me, I've got 300000 in an online savings, and next month I'm going to buy a home for 500000 and I'm going to put it in, uh, all of that 300 into that home purchase, then it's a great place. If you say, I've got 300000 and I don't need to touch it for the next 25 years, it's a terrible place because you're not even keeping up with inflation at 3%. And so we probably ought to deploy it in an investing account. Uh, if you said, well, a portion of it is my emergency fund, but the rest I can let go of, well, then we'd break it up into buckets, if you will, and say, you know, we're going to put a little bit over here and we're going to put the rest of it over there. So it really all depends on the time horizon and the purpose of the money. So clarify that for me. Well, I am fixing to retire. I'm going to be 62. I'm going to work maybe a couple more years and then go home to the Philippines. Although I'm a U.S. citizen, I'm thinking of going home. 
to the Philippines. I, I have a home here in Texas, which is fully paid, which I can keep or sell as well. Uh, now, I have nothing in the Philippines except a land that I want to build a home in, but that's the only expense I can foresee. Plus, of course, my uh, daily survival yeah. and medical care, just in case. Okay, so if let's say you were to head to the Philippines and retire in, what, three years? Two years or three at the most. Okay, and, and if you were to buy a home when you get there or build a home, would you need to use this 300000 to do it? I may use it or not, uh, depending on if I sell the house that I have here in Texas. Okay. So I think that's the decision you need to make is, are you going to keep or sell the house and what proceeds might you expect and how much do you need to keep available uh, for a major transaction like a home purchase or construction in less than three years? I'd want to keep that money very safe, very liquid in probably a money market fund uh, where you can get maybe four, four and a half percent. Money that is not going to be deployed then, um, are you going to use it to generate income? Are you going to start taking withdrawals from this to support your income when you get to the Philippines, or will you have another income source? Well, I'm looking at my uh, my social security uh, uh, to sustain me while I'm there, uh, which would be sufficient. And so this money that I told you about, actually it had been sitting in my regular bank here at the in the city where I am in, was making like 0.01 something percent. And over the years, I thought, wow, I have been wasting time uh, yeah. sitting, letting this money sit in here. Uh, my son just told me, Daddy, you're, wasting, you, you're, not sure. ma- you're not putting it wisely away. And that's how it came about that I um, put it in a online savings account. I think I heard it from your program. Yeah, very good. Well, I'm glad you're getting at least a little bit of interest on it, uh, Mark. Are you self-employed currently? No, sir. I am full-time uh, therapist with a home health agency. Okay. And are you funding a retirement account through your job? Uh, yeah, we have a 401k plan uh, at work, and I am uh, participating in it. Okay. I'd max that out to get as much going into that as possible, even if you have to supplement your income uh, by pulling from the 300000 because I'd want to systematically get as much of that 300000 into a tax-deferred environment between now and when you retire as possible. Apart from that, I would do some planning to decide whether or not you're going to keep the house, how much you need to set aside for the home purchase in the Philippines, and the rest, I'd connect with an advisor here before you go who could manage this for you and invest it and not take more risk than you're comfortable with, but get it growing for you so you're outpacing inflation. I'd find a couple of certified kingdom advisors on our website, Mark, at moneywise.org. Click find a CKA, interview two or three, find the one that's the best fit and go ahead and hire them now. We appreciate your call, Mark. All the best to you in this next season of life, sir. God bless you. Well, we're about out of time today, but before we wrap up, let me remind you as we head toward year end, we could use your assistance and support as we close out the year financially. We rely on your listener support here at MoneyWise Media. We only do what we do through this radio broadcast and through all of our other ministry offerings as a result of your faithful support. So would you consider a one-time or even a monthly gift starting before the end of the year. That would be really helpful if you made a gift before December 31st. Just head to moneywise.org and click give and thanks in advance. Let me say thanks to my team today. So grateful for Amy and Jim and Robert and Tahira and Gabby T. Couldn't do it without them. Thank you for being here as well. Enjoy the rest of your day and come back and join us next time for Moneywise Live. God bless you.